Welcome to Sausage on a Fork, a podcast dedicated to the UK's longest-running children's drama programme, Grange Hill. My name's Neil, and in each episode, I'll interview a former cast member about their life before, during and after their time on the programme. Okay, welcome to the next episode of Sausage on a Fork. I am absolutely delighted to say that I have been joined by none other than Paula Ann Bland, who played Claire Scott. Paula, welcome to Sausage on a Fork. Thank you so much for having me. How exciting. Not at all. I've got to say, you're probably one of the most requested people that I've had. I'm constantly getting people getting in touch with me saying... When are you getting Claire Scott on? And and we have been trying for a while as well, haven't we, to sort something out? But I'm, I'm so glad we that have, you're on now. We have, sadly. <laughs> yeah, thank you so, so much. Very excited to be here. Okay. And hello to everybody, by the way. So what we'll do, Paula, is we'll start the way we start every episode. And if you can tell us how you first got into acting. Oh, gosh. Well, it started when I was about four, really, and I... I um was a dancer I was at a dance um school up north in um Newcastle and I did all the competitions and everything and from that you know I started appearing in musicals and everything up in the northeast Uh and so um it all started when I was very very young so then so how did that transition come about then from being the, the dancer in Newcastle then to obviously a few years later becoming an actress on the telly? So um, I auditioned for the Italia Conti um, stage school and got in. And so my amazing parents um, put their house up for sale and we all moved down to um, to Sussex. Right. So I could go to Italia Conti every day. I mean, they, they, you know, I mean, I sadly lost my dad last year, but, you Uh know, um, they are you know they were and my mum it still is the most amazing parents you know um and so I was very very lucky so I joined Italia Conti when I was 10 and Uh it was the first um it was the first semester there that I actually got into Grange Hill race wow so and that was your because when I've looked on IMDB which is me my primary source which and I know it's not the greatest source, um, but it's me primary. There's nothing before Grange Hill on there. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, there was, but I mean, I just think it's not on there really. I mean, not right. certainly not TV. Uh-huh. Apart from lots of commercials, I did right. a, a um, I did quite a few commercials when I was younger, but it was mainly theatre uh-huh. before. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. And so you said, so then you got the the part of Claire Scott in Grange Hill. And were you already aware of Grange Hill? Were you already watching it? I've got to be really honest with you. I don't (laughs) think I was watching it. I mean, simply because, um, you know, when we moved from the north, we moved to Crawley in Sussex. Uh And so I'd be, um, you know, my dad um, worked British Gas and he... Um, used to take me to school every day and pick me up because right. he was kind of around like um, Lewisham, Beckenham. He was at like Kent uh-huh. um, area. So um, he'd come and pick me up and then we'd drive back to, to Sussex. Right. And so my days were very, very long. Yeah, I didn't watch it beforehand. <laughs> okay. And I knew of it, obviously. Yeah. Um, I knew it was massive. But yeah, I mean, I hadn't... You know, I hadn't really had the opportunity to really get into it. Right. So were, were you aware of, like, the likes of Todd Carty and, and Michelle Herbert and people like that? Definitely. Right. Definitely, yeah. And I was a little bit starstruck, I have to say, when I first got there. Uh-huh. Yeah, OK. Um, so so you joined in Series 4, which was on air in 1981. And it was the, the cohort that you were in. It was their second year. Obviously, you weren't there as the in the first year. Now, I've got to choose my words carefully here because it was almost like Claire was almost like a replacement for Tracy Edwards, played by Amanda Meelan. Um, right. I don't. I, I don't really like using that word replacement, but it was sort of that was sort of what it what it looked like. Um, and I think you are absolutely correct. Right. I mean, I was never aware of the politics of it all, uh-huh. but I think 
Um, I think you are definitely um, not wrong in your thinking. <laughs> right, okay. But all, and it's purely because Claire was such good friends with Dwayne Orpington. Exactly. Um, and and I, I think that it was that same sort of dynamic because obviously Dwayne and Tracy had been had been friends right. uh, beforehand. But not only that, you were also uh, Claire was also friends with Suzanne Ross uh, as well. And I always found that friendship a little bit strange because Claire and Suzanne were complete polar opposites. So <laughs> I, I, I thought like Yeah, but I think that sometimes, you know, that's what makes yeah. you know, a dynamic friendship. I mean, if you're both exactly the same, it gets a bit boring, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so I've mentioned obviously I've mentioned Dwayne and Suzanne there, you know, played by Mark and Susan Tully. Were you close with them? Outside of the, the the program as well. Very. I mean, Susan Tully used to come um, and stay at my house most weekends. Right. And actually, my mum, you know, my mum would say, even I went away when I was obviously a bit older. Um, I went away on holiday with a, another friend, and Susan still came to stay with my <laughs> mum and dad. Right. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Brilliant. Yeah, we were really close. Oh, excellent. Okay, so then um, in the, in the first sort of episode that you were in, there's an older girl joined the class called Julia, and there was a bit of talk about the girls starting their periods, which at the time was a massive thing, I think, for kids telly to, you know, even be contemplating any sort of talk about. Oh, listen, I mean, we 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 tackled, you know, I mean, as as you all know, we tackled you know, so many different issues. Uh-huh. We were the first people to, you know, to, to tackle so many things. But I think that was Phil Redmond's wisdom, really. Yeah. And if you think about where we are in society now, where, you know, we are we are a very open and honest um, society when it comes to, you know, um, certainly issues like that. Uh-huh. Um, I think that... Um, and I think that's possibly why, you know, the another generation, you know, my parents' age group probably did find it really awkward for uh-huh. their kids to watch yeah. because, you know, it tackled so many issues that we just would not, you know, that, that generation would just not talk about yeah. in public. Yeah. You know, that was something that was very, very hush-hush, but I think... You know, as far as, you know, changing the tide, um, Phil is right up there because he wasn't scared to to talk about real, as Claire would say, women fishing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that episode as well, uh, Claire tries makeup and it's Dwayne comes in and says to her, what have you done to your face? And obviously Claire gets upset. And then she tells Dwayne that she doesn't really want to change. She doesn't really want to grow old. And... That was what I was saying a bit earlier about Claire and Suzanne being complete opposites because Claire was really innocent, wasn't she, in in, in her approach to it to everything? She was she... very, very, uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Claire's parents, uh-huh. you know, appeared now and again throughout yeah. the series, and uh, yeah, they were real old school, uh-huh. uh, strict, you know, yeah. That you know, archetypal of that sort of generation, really. Uh-huh. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I think that she that Claire had lived a very sheltered, yeah, life. definitely, definitely. But there is there's a, there's a cracking line when Claire's talking to Dwayne and she says she doesn't want to grow old, but she can't find anyone to talk about, you know, as you said there about her parents being uh, the way they were, they, they would have talked to Claire when they felt they were ready to talk about it. Claire would probably would have been about 25, I think, at the time. But Dwayne says, right. Dwayne, because Claire says to Dwayne, she couldn't find anyone to talk about it. So Dwayne sees Susie McMahon, points to her and says, well, Why didn't you talk to her? She seems nice. She still wears socks. And I just think, What a line that is. <laughs> uh, I know. Like, um, well, but... that, that really is. I mean, I. I... <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. I mean, I can't, you know, remember that at all. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. And I think lots of girls. I mean, you know, there are obviously different styles of parenting even today. And uh-huh. um, 
But some people, some parents do find it still, you know, awkward to talk to their kids. And so, and yeah. so I think that by us tackling it on TV really opened up a conversation. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and then, you know, we, we mentioned the fact that Dwayne and, and Claire were really good friends, uh, but there was a little bit of jealousy on Claire's part when Dwayne developed a crush on Miss Lexington. And I've got to say, Dwayne probably wasn't the only lad in the country at the time <laughs> <laughs> who had a crush on Miss Lexington, to be honest. Oh, um, and, and and Claire sort of warns him off, saying, you know, she she she's hard as nails, that one. And then that got proved when she wouldn't let him go on the trip because his, his shirt wasn't his shirt was ripped. And, oh and my god. Dwayne got a little bit upset. And you've mentioned there about Claire with her women's issues. And she did describe herself as being a bit of a feminist. And there was a at, at the end of that first series, Dwayne and Claire had a bike race where they were going to bet for 10p to see who could get to school first. And they couldn't decide who was who, who, um, who'd finish first, although it was, was actually clear. But Pogo was there, and Pogo said, I didn't see you finished, but it must have been Dwayne, because boys are faster than, oh. than girls. And that, right. then, that then led to the Battle of the Sexes competition. I don't, right. know if, don't know if you remember that one. It was like the the end of season. You know, like sometimes you'd have a disco, which we'll get onto later on, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> but this one, they had like a battle of the sexes thing where like the, the lads would play the girls at netball and stuff and there was a, a quiz. But then the girls had to do woodwork and metalwork and the lads had to do cooking. But both teams of the lads and the girls in the in the cooking and the, and the metalwork had bought their items that they were supposed to have made and passed it off as the finished article because Claire was with Suzanne and Miss Mooney. Right. Making a, I think they were making a hammer. Oh, no, a trowel. A trowel they were making. Um, but but the, the the contest in good old Grangeal fashion was declared a draw. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, if you, if you you even if you look at that, you know, you just think, wow, was that yeah. our society back then, really? Yeah. You know? And how much we've moved on. Uh-huh. Definitely, because, I mean, I I started high school in 86, and by then it was already mixed lessons. So lads were, were doing cookery and, and, and girls were doing, you know, the woodwork and stuff. And, right. And, and it's great that it had moved on by then. Absolutely. Definitely. So then that moved on to Series 5. And again, a bit of a, a taboo subject, certainly in Claire Scott's household. That was when the the reproductive system was getting talked about in oh, in the biology lessons and letters were sent home about it. And it just seems incredible incredible to me now that in you know in 82 that you were waiting to your third year at school to be taught this stuff. Um, right. And again, Claire, Claire's parents didn't want to do any because <laughs> it should be taught at home because as Claire's mum said, Claire's only 14. And, you know, and that, even that just seems like, a, a, you know, a very archaic thing to be thinking. It is. I mean, the only thing I'd say to you is that I do think that, you know, I think maybe we've gone too far the other way now. Right. Uh-huh. And it's a shame there's not a happy medium because I do think that, listen, you, you know, childhood should be really, you know, a joy and, 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 uh-huh. and, you know, hang on to it for as long as you can because being an adult isn't all that's cracked up yeah, to rubbish, be, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all that having to earn money shit. Do you yeah, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, definitely. You know, having to put uh, food on the table ain't always easy. No. So, um, so uh, I do, th- I mean, I... It is difficult, and I, I don't want to start being political or, you know, or start causing any waves because I'm not clever enough to carry <laughs> carry the conversation through, right? Yeah, it wouldn't, but, be a, um, it wouldn't be a very long conversation with me involved either, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but I do think, like, there are some aspects of that, that time uh-huh. that we should cherish, really, because... You know, now I just feel like fourteen. You, you're, you know, you're deemed as an adult. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's there's way too many people with kids at fourteen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Without saying the actual words, because Claire wouldn't say that. No. 
<laughs> I mean, the thing is with, with that, when, when Claire saw her mum in school and Claire automatically sort of knew why she was there. So when, when her mum told her why she was there, this was the first time we saw any real defiance from Claire. And she says the words, oh, stuffy, and walks off from her mum. And, you know, earlier on, I don't think Claire would have done that. No, I mean, I do think that, obviously, Claire... Um... I think Claire grew up quite quickly yeah. at Greenfield. Um and you know, she uh she realized there were there was a big wide world there. Yeah. Apart from her, you know, cozy little home really. Yeah. And um, you know, once again I think that she'd probably been quite stifled. Uh-huh. You know, and I think that you could you could sense that from the way the parents really behaved, yeah. that she was really coveted yeah. and you know kept kept away from modern days yeah i mean obviously being friends with the likes of susan would have changed claire wouldn't it you know um, yeah of course of course but then claire was always susan's voice of reason as well you know and when she knew when she thought susan was doing something she was going to get trouble in in for for doing it then claire would would try and talk her out of it or you know get it get it at least to think about it like when the the school magazine got censored and, and Suzanne started writing graffiti on the walls. And, right. And, and Claire just didn't see the point in it. No, it Suzanne was, was definitely a, a, a rebel. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like there was a thing when, for some reason, Suzanne had started taking money off Roland and she said she was doing it for Gripper and it was so she could go and play in the arcade and Gripper found out and he, 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 hit, it, he hit Suzanne. But Suzanne wouldn't tell Claire what it was, what had happened. But she just said to her, I'm just fed up with being a girl. And But then Claire just turned around to her and said, you need to sort yourself out, basically. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Claire. And then in that series was sort of, I think, Claire's first like real big storyline, which involved a teacher. Mr. Hopwood. Uh, um, do you want to explain that one for us? Right. So, you know... Um... Claire basically fantasised about Mr. Hopwood um, to such an extent that she started writing a supposed diary about their illicit affair. And it was actually all a fantasy. And poor Mr. Hopwood got into all kinds of trouble um, for no reason at all because Claire was just uh, bullshitting, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And again... Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah. don't 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 okay. worry about that. I'll, that one I'll get through. Don't worry. Um, right, <laughs> I mean, the the thing with that again, that that again came from Claire's, you know, mum being the way she was, and she found the diary, and instead of leaving it, she she read it, and at first, Claire didn't didn't deny it, did she? She didn't deny what had happened, and that's where the no, trouble... she followed it through to yeah. quite a big extent, and. So, I guess you know to all to almost a believable yeah. extent, really. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I mean, we're, we're certainly you know there's things you do as a kid when you do start telling lies that you do start believing that the lies that you've told you you know to try and convince yourself. And I think it, it was that sort of thing there. Yeah, and I think that, you know. That was a, you know, I mean, I suppose with, at that age, you go through so many different hormone changes and so many different personality changes and everything. And, you know, there is peer pressure. And so I think that if you don't feel like you are adequate, um, you do start fantasizing and making a person. I mean, I don't think I don't. I mean, it obviously it is a lie, but I don't think that. There, it was intentional to for, for malicious lies. I just think no. there's lots of peer pressure, and if you think you're not cool enough, yeah, then you will exaggerate to make yourself cool. But obviously, I mean, Claire went way too far, you know. I mean, fantasizing and writing that she'd been having some kind of affair <laughs> with Mr. Hopwood was a bit, you know, a bit yeah. out there, really. Yeah, now in, in that storyline, you had quite a lot of scenes with uh, a lot of adult actors, um, yeah. You know, the likes of Jennifer Pearcey and Malcolm Terrace, your, your mum and dad. And then obviously Brian Capron and, and Gwyneth Powell as well. What was, what was your sort of your working relationship like with the adults? Really amazing. 
Uh-huh. Really, really amazing. Funny enough, I mean, it is weird because, you know, obviously being young, uh, you almost start believing that she is kind of like your mother figure. Right. Um, and But certainly, you know, I mean, Gwyneth Powell was just the the most the wonderful person to work uh-huh. with, really. And um, and remained so and remained of such a warm and wonderful lady. And, uh-huh. you know, she's sadly, sadly, you know, missed in our yeah. brain chill family, really. Definitely, yeah. But, you know, Brian Kaplan was always great fun. He always Ooh. tried to make us laugh, which he did. Right. Uh, I think we might have, I think so, if I recollect properly, I think Susan Tully and I might have had a little bit of a real life crush on him. Right, okay, okay, but no diaries involved. But no diaries, <laughs> right, or, okay. you know, no diaries or illicit, or illicit affairs. I have to say, it was just a typical, you know, 13, 14 year old girly crush, really. Uh-huh. Right, all right, okay. Um, and then. At the end of that storyline, the roles reversed with Claire and Suzanne because Suzanne then became sort of Claire's voice of reason and told her that she, that Claire, that needed to tell the truth because Mister Offwood was going to get in a lot of trouble and you know if he never right. uh, said that that it wasn't uh, real. And then towards the end of that series was the school review. You know, the, the I Greeks. remember that. The big show he put on, and you were dancing with Claire was dancing with uh, Precious and Suzanne, and that's right, Stupot, Dwayne, and oh, Pogo. Hoochie in my jeans, by yeah, that's the one. My yeah. in the gash. Education that's trash. <laughs> uh, don't have time for what you preach, so something or other. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah gimme, give gimme, give just shimmy, shimmy, give me the, the what do you need? <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Oh my god, I can't remember, I remember it <laughs> No. I, I watched that scene the other day, and during it, you were laughing an awful lot. Now, I don't know if that was just because Pogo had been getting heckled, or if it was genuine, what you were doing. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, we really did have a real laugh doing that. I remember. I right. remember so well, yeah. We just thought it was hilarious, and it, it was different. Yeah. And... It was exciting for us to do that. Um, It was exciting to do something that wasn't, you know, classroom based Uh and get dressed up. And it was, we had a great time. I mean, we always loved doing things out of the ordinary, not jumping ahead because I don't want to spoil your, (laughs) you know, timeline. But things like, you know, the school disco, things like going to Regent's Park for the United Nations, all things like that where it was something different. Uh-huh. We just loved it, and we did have a laugh. Brilliant. Brilliant. We were probably, a, I mean, I'm going to say probably a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, did the dancing part, was that was that like a natural thing? Yeah, I mean, right. I, you know, that's probably was my, um, you know, that's probably what I was best at. Right. Yeah, I mean, because I know you mentioned that earlier on, that you, yeah. you, you started off that way. I wasn't sure if it sort of... It drifted off when you were when you started your acting. That was all. No, no, okay. no. And then there was a. I, I love this one when Pogo thinks he's got the answers to the the exams and they write them on the inside of the Chewy and it turns out that they were the they were exam answers, but they were to the year before. And it's funny in that episode because Claire seems to be the one who sort of twigs at first that the answers aren't right because obviously no one can talk in an exam, but they're all there right. with the, all there with their Chewy wrappers. And Claire sort of turns around with like a puzzled face, and I think she just forgets the idea and just carries on, right? Just actually does the actual answers in the right. end. So then we'll move on to series six. Now, I think it's one of 1983, and, and this storyline was probably, other than the drug storyline with Zamo a few years later, Gripper and the racism storyline, I think, is is Grange Hill's probably next memorable, next yes. most, me- most memorable storyline. And you were quite heavily involved in that because obviously we're being the same. We're clearly being the same age as a uh, Gripper, and Gripper saying he fancied her and stuff. And Gripper didn't. He didn't like the fact that Claire was quite friendly with Randia. Right. And then Gripper and his mates attacked Randia in in a cupboard, and it was Claire and Suzanne who ran in and and rescued Randia. But then Gripper then gets all the Claire, and then. He says he'll let her go if she gives him a kiss. And then, oh, nearly, 
I nearly just went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. But so, then, sorry, Mark Savage. Um, but then, Stupot and Dwayne then come to the rescue, and there's a big fight ensues. It's the first time where there'd been a real sort of fighting like storyline. There'd been other little bits before, but it was like the yeah. gang the gang fighting. What what was it like, sort of? What's it like when you've got your film, those scenes, and you know that it's going to be tense? Because obviously, a lot of the time in Grangeal, people are just messing about, aren't they, and doing stupid things. And then all of a sudden, you're getting these really tense storylines. Yeah, I remember that really well. And it was, I mean, it was it was a hot topic as well. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I mean, once again, I think we liked it when we felt like we were tackling real issues yeah. that were important. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and I used to hang out with, um, the guy that played Randy as well. Oh my gosh. What was his name? Um, oh my God. I'm just, just got old lady. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure on the pronunciation. Was it uh, Kaka? Uh, Kaka? Yes. Yeah. Kaka Singh. Yeah. That was it. Uh, and he was such a lovely guy. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean... Once again, you know, it was it was it was very, you know, it was a really hot and very difficult topic uh-huh. to 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 deal with, really. And so I do feel I remember we felt we had a, you know, a message and a reason. Yeah. And so we had to be, you know, stop messing about like we normally did, and and actually do some. Um, Proper acting, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we few and far between, let me tell you. <laughs> so, what, um, while that's going on, there was obviously a thing developing with Stupot and Claire as well, which led to friction between Dwayne and Stupot and Dwayne and, and Claire as well. Because this is where this is where you get the, the another feeling of uh, the fact that, and I hate saying it again, Claire being the replacement for uh, Tracy because Dwayne says. She's she's my friend, not yours. We've been friends since primary school. But and then Dwayne said Stupot had to choose uh, between uh, Claire or Dwayne, and Stupot uh, chose Claire and asked her out. <laughs> and uh, they became Grangeal's first power couple, didn't they? Um... <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was it like? Oh. You know, Mark Mark Burgess, who played Stupot. Did you get on with him first of all? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, Mark Burgess is a nutter (laughs) (laughs) in the best possible way i mean listen he was so lovely so full of fun and just a brilliant friend really and Uh still is a lovely friend um but i i mean there was pressure when we had to snog right i mean that was just that was horrific (laughs) and it was almost like you know close close set I mean, you wouldn't have close set for snog now, would you? You have close no. set for other reasons. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was. I remember it was like just you know, only the you know the two the characters and right. essential crew. Right. Yeah, I mean that that was. <laughs> I can remember being like really nervous about that, thinking, and so was Mark. I mean, oh my god yeah i mean and then i love that it's not the back or the roxy yeah i mean that 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 does give us that famous line of we was only neck and miss and uh, i know we've talked there again about like the the racism and and everything else and the episode with precious and gripper that scene, like that episode, starts off like quite light-hearted with like stuff getting written on the blackboard about who fancies everyone and and, and stuff like that. But then yeah. it goes, it goes really dark. There's a like bit, quite dark term of Gripper making people, you know, swear allegiance to the British people. Um, and then there's that scene with Precious and Gripper, and again, it's a really tense scene, and it's arguably the best scene to to come out of Grangeal. I think, right. um, but again, well, you're the professional. <laughs> you should know, right? But, you, you, but again, you know, you're there. And, and can you remember filming that one? Was it like again, a, like a really tense thing as well? Like, yeah, it really was. And 
you know, and this scene, you know, came on the back. We had to, we'd had lots of you know riots and everything. I mean, yeah. I, I my my school Italia Conti um, was in on Landor Road in Clapham, and I mean, I remember being sent home, and my my dad had to come and pick me up because of the Brixton riots. Right. Wow. And so, you know, we were fully aware of, you know, uh-huh. what a serious, very, very serious and current um, problem we were tackling. And, yeah. you know, I mean, the only thing I would say to you is that, I mean, I do feel a bit sorry for Mark Savage, really, because, you know, in real life, he wasn't certainly wasn't a racist. Uh-huh. But you know, he he really took some shit for that, yeah. and um, I'm not sure I'd have really wanted to be on the receiving end of that because, yeah. you know, it was really it was a very ugly part of Gripper's uh-huh. um, character. Yeah, I mean, listen, he was a he was a bit of a prick, wasn't he? Anyway, you know, he was a bully and he was <laughs> yeah. this and he was that and whatever. Um, and I think as a, a you know, obviously you deal you deal with that, but. You know that being part of like you know swear allegiance to the British, yeah. you know, I just, it was was really taking it to another level. Yeah. Um. And um. Yeah. It's. I think it's. I think. I mean, well done to him. Really, it was very difficult and tough thing yeah. to play, and the ramifications of him playing that. I mean, I'm sure he got tons of crap for that. Uh-huh. I mean, I know Gwyneth Powell said when she was on, you know, it, it hadn't been handled very well by the programme. Certainly Mark Savage, you know, his, his personal life hadn't been handled very well by the programme. And so that's why when the drugs came, came in with Samo, she was quite keen on him getting out onto, you know, other TV programmes like Wogan and stuff like that so that people knew he was only acting and he wasn't a drug addict and, and, and stuff like that. Right. I mean, listen, you know... I mean, still, if people, people, well, not everybody, I'm not, so I'm not generalising, but there are some people that believe everything that happens in EastEnders and Coronation Street, yeah. right? Yeah. They believe those characters are real. Yeah. Um, and I, but I do think that on a whole, um, we did, we had little or no support from the BBC, really. Right. Um, yeah. As, you know, um, I mean, we only had, three or four channels at the time. Uh-huh. I think Brain Chill was getting something ridiculous. Like, I think one episode was like 22 million viewers. Wow, right, wow. And, um, you know, we were really famous. Uh-huh. And we didn't get any support at all. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, the, listen, uh, in nowadays, there'd be, there would be uproar. Yeah. But yeah. I do, you know, I mean, it... it Dealing with something like drugs or racism or something like that, you know, there there, there should there should have been, uh-huh. you know, some kind of support package yeah. out there really, for people. Yeah. And if you see at the end of most programs, you know, for the general public, you know, it's like, oh, if you've got an issue with it, yeah. yeah, then you know, call or email or whatever, or go online. Um, uh, yeah, and so. I mean, I, I think that is part of a problem that when you are a pioneering writer like Phil yeah. still is, right, mm-hmm. and that you are tackling subjects that have never been tackled on TV before, uh-huh. then you don't have anything to – you don't have the knowledge of what the, you know, the fallout from all that's going to be. Right, yeah. Um, and it's certainly, I mean, we were blind to so many things in the 80s as well, right? I mean, not uh-huh. going to go into all that, you know, but I mean, I just think that we all must have gone, gone around with our eyes closed because, <laughs> right. um, well, certainly, you know, the, the channels did and, you yeah. know, um, we we just were, were, were just closed our eyes and thought everything was normal. Yeah. So, um, but I, I mean, I do, I do. You know, I mean, it was hard enough. Listen, it was hard enough for for somebody like myself who had a, quite a generic character that really yeah. didn't ever cause any waves, right? Yeah. But it was hard enough, you know, um, for me to deal right. with that yeah. kind of fame and everything. But if yeah. you were de- dealing with it from a negative point of view, uh-huh. where you definitely. are being classed yeah. as a racist, it must have been a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, 
obviously, ultimately, all that storyline led to Gripper being expelled. Right. Which then we then move on to the the next series is series seven, and the first big thing you were sort of involved with was the Model UN conference. Um, Loved it. Where did you go for that one then? Regent's Park. Right. Right. Okay. And we filmed in Regent's Park uh, for two weeks. It was a really hot, hot summer. Yeah. And um, lots of new characters. Uh-huh. Lots of like mini crushes off screen going right, on. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, it was just. It was just the ma- most amazing two weeks. I had an absolute ball. It was wonderful. Yeah, because obviously, like Claire went with uh, Suzanne Stupot, Pogo, and Glenroy, Stephen Woodcock. Um, yeah. Who, when you watch those episodes, he lo- he just looks so much older than everyone as well. Stephen Woodcock, when you look at them, um, but David Bellamy was there as well. I know, I know. It was listening. That was those. That that was just brilliant. We just had so much fun. Yeah, we I, felt we felt like we're on holiday. Yeah, it was a big thing, and there was loads of different schools there. You know, there was public schools and stuff. And Claire and Suzanne went out with a couple of the public school boys. It did <laughs> meals and stuff. But then, poor old Claire, when she was waiting. For Guy to come to the disco, he came down the stairs with his girlfriend who was already there, uh, Trudy. Play, uh, Gina Bellman? Gina Bellman. <laughs> yeah. Didn't she just? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Claire ended up dancing with <laughs> with John Eastlake, who was the stereotypical upper-class twit who thought he was better than everyone and just didn't have real really have didn't have any idea about what um, like sort of working class kids went through. <laughs> um and then Stu Pot and Claire have a little bit of a heart-to-heart because they weren't together at this point, were they, obviously. And she says she'll go back to the disco with Stu Pot as long as he didn't get the wrong idea. Um, oh, my <laughs> And then, then we move on then to the sponsored war. And Stu Pot had started, like, he wanted to get back with Claire. It was uh, quite apparent that that's what he wanted. He asked Pogo to try and get Christine away from her so he could spend some time with her. But Claire didn't want to talk to Stupot. That sounds but, about right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in, in that episode, what I liked was, because obviously Faye Lucas had been getting stick off her mates for fancying Miss Gordon. Even though she never, she just liked her. You know, she just liked her as a teacher. Yeah. And she has a bit of a, a chat with, with Claire about it. And Claire then starts telling about the diary about Mr. Hopwood, which was an unusual one for Granger because he didn't always refer back to storylines like from the past so I, right. thought that, I thought that was quite good the way they do that but Stupot was undeterred he wouldn't give up and he asked Claire to go on the orienteering weekend I, I remember that well as so, well so where, where was that one? that was that was filmed in Ilkley right. in Yorkshire and I remember we did stay I mean anybody that thought they'd have gone and put us up in like a five star <laughs> hotel like think again it was like uh, it was a very basic hostel, right? And I remember the chaperones putting me right next to Lee Spark and Lee McDonald to make <laughs> right. sure that they didn't mess about. And in the end, I had to say, "Can you please move me because they're so noisy?" And I was like, "Shut up!" Oh, brilliant! <laughs> but yeah, um, but we had great fun there as well. And I remember one night. I remember one night we went to Harry Ramsden's for fish and chips. I remember uh-huh. that. Really? But yeah, anything like that, the orienteering. I mean, it was great. It would have been nice if we had been in a five star luxury hotel. <laughs> but yeah, that, the BBC didn't. Uh, they, they didn't um, stretch that far. It was like a. Really? I mean, it really was a very very basic hostel. Yeah. No, I mean, because it's just um, Stupot and Claire were, were the oldest kids there by a couple of years and they'd gone sort of like to help out. And it just seemed strange to me that they'd gone anyway. But like then they were put in charge when Mr. Baxter and Roland had gone missing. But yeah, it, it, it just seems a strange one, especially coming up to their exams as well. Uh, and yeah, then... and I kind of feel like in reality, that's kind of what we did. We had to make sure all the younger <laughs> ones didn't mess about. Yeah, it was really... So, I mean, there are some aspects of it where it did cross over, really, right. into real life. And then there was obviously the nude model was obviously in that oh, one. The, the art the art class. 
again, you know, the, the lads are all expecting, well, everyone was expecting a woman, but it was a really, really old man. Did you see anything? I've got to ask you that. No. <laughs> I think I remembered that. <laughs> okay. I'm sure I remembered that. I'll, I'll, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to say no. Uh, okay, all right. I, I believe you're on that one. Um, yeah. And then there is then possibly the most famous series finale from Grange Hill, which was the school disco and uh, Claire and Stupor getting back together while True is played. I know. <laughs> and when I interviewed Gary Hales about it, he said he loves that because not only, not only you know, is it that famous, but the ending's very different with the credits rolling and it's almost like, what was it he said, Dad's Army, you have been watching because everyone comes up on the screen with their names underneath. And I, I imagine that that song, you can't escape that song. I imagine. Oh no, that, that <laughs> that's part of Grange Hill, and I'm sure Spando Ballet, uh, you know, realised that we made. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a joke, by the way. But yeah, no, I mean, I mean, listen, it was, uh, yeah, it, that that song's definitely followed us. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Now, speaking of the word "true," I've got to ask you this question because I've heard this one. Is it true that you sneaked into Top of the Pops wearing your Grange Hill uniform? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. Any anyone good on when you went? Oh, so I so I was friends with George Michael, right? And um, so I'd get changed and go in with him, and when he was on top of the pops, right? And uh, I was told you can't c- keep on getting changed <laughs> and going into top of the pops. So I thought, yeah, fuck it, I'm just going to go in as my uniform. <laughs> What they said is you can't keep on getting changed. Brilliant. So I didn't bother. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so on Young Guns, you'll see me at the back. Right. Well, with, we'll have... with a, a white shirt and my grey skirt on. Oh, we'll have to look for that one then. So young, when, yeah. when, when Wama performing Young Guns on top of the pops, round about 83, 84, we'll, yeah. we'll have to have a look for that one later. Yeah. Okay, so then Series 8, you were in sixth form. At this point, there was the big thing was the merger with the, the other two schools, Brookdale and Rodney Bennett, but no six formers came, which was a, a, a strange Bizarre. one. And there only seemed to be three six formers at this point. There was a, there was Claire, <laughs> Precious, and Stupot. And Stupot said he'd asked Precious and Claire to be in the musical. But the I think you probably your biggest part storyline here was the love triangle of Claire, Stupot, and Annette. Where Stupot, oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Stupot was sort of two time and Claire with Annette. Stupot had been sort of saying to Annette he was going to break it off with Claire, but then he couldn't because Claire's mum had become ill. And that was a, a kind of weird storyline because it only sort of got touched on really there. There wasn't really, it never really yeah. went anywhere with him mum not being well, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and then I can't remember that to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Claire then found out from Annette that Annette knew that her mum was ill and she went and, you know, got angry with Stupot and Stupot sort of denied it and Claire apologised to, to him for thinking that he would. But then... Naive. <laughs> Stupot then went to the Human League concerts with Annette because for some reason the school were going to see the Human League. Um, but then Claire turned up and saw that Stupot was there with Annette and it all came out properly and Claire gave him an ultimatum to... Leave with Claire or stay with Annette, and he stayed. But Claire didn't really actually break up with Stupot, and he, he was always giving her like ridiculous excuses as to why he couldn't see her. And he was st- he was still carrying on with Annette, and eventually he did break it off with Annette, and he went back to Claire. Now Claire, when you watch them, is really really forgiven. Okay, really really forgiven. Did you have any say in? how Claire would have reacted, you know, what did you think no. about Claire's character being like that? Um, I mean, listen, it, you know, okay, <laughs> if you want to look at it from an outsider's point of view, it's pretty pathetic, but if you look <laughs> about, if you look at, uh, you know, real life, uh-huh. you know, people do, they believe what they want to believe, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And you convince yourself otherwise, that even if it's as plain as day to everybody else, yeah. If you sort of love somebody or, you know, obviously quite young then, so I wouldn't say it was love, but think yeah. you're in love. 
You do make a million excuses. And I think that's that was possibly, um, if I know Phil, and that was probably done on purpose for that reason. It's okay. okay. I don't think Phil did anything that was just happened to be yeah. like that. I think everything was intentional. Uh-huh. Okay. And then I mentioned earlier that Stupot said he dashed Precious and Claire to be in the musical. But you weren't actually in the musical episode when they did, what is it, the Mods and Rockers? No, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I have a feeling I was filming something else. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember, like, that last series, me being kind of busy doing I'm just trying to think what... what yeah, you were because you, you weren't in it that much. I, no. I'm just trying to think what I was doing. Maybe it was the Cracker Jack. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Right. Maybe Cheggers plays pop. Might it have been Cheggers plays pop? Because weren't you on that at one point as well? Oh, that was only one right. episode though. But right. I I did like a tour with Crackerjack. Ah, right. On the road for like a month. Right. Okay. <laughs> Felt like years. But, okay. And, you know, and so then yeah. and then we didn't see Claire again then until the the Christmas special, the nineteen eighty five Christmas special. And even then, it was like quite a short uh, scene. That you were in was that basically like that was your sort of farewell to Grangeville, I think, and you were only sort of on the door just to just taking money and oh stuff right like that. okay. I mean, honestly, I can't remember. Right, right, okay. <laughs> Am I your worst interviewee? No, 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 no. I'm not going to say a name, but there is someone who couldn't remember anything at all. Literally, uh, people that are listening to this will probably work out who I'm talking about. But there is definitely someone who found it really hard to oh, remember. Oh, go it. on, Neil. Tell I'll, us. I'll tell. I'll tell you when I've stopped recording. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then that was it, and that was your farewell to Grange Hill. But obviously, you carried on acting, but also. When you were in Grange Hill, you released a record as well. Is that what you'd call it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you released the locomotion. Yeah, I did. You know, it was it. Yeah, it was a really strange time. Um, and listen, I mean, that's definitely not the best record ever <laughs> released. But yeah, and it was part of Stock Aitken and Waterman. Right. It was on Cadrum Records, and. Um, it was a subsidiary of of them, and uh-huh. everybody was doing it at the time. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was li- literally a a factory, right, of people, you know, releasing it. Um, uh, obviously, it was crap. <laughs> I still get absolutely ripped about that um, by a lot of friends. Right. Uh, and in fact, uh, I've got this lovely uh, f- uh, friend, um, Belgian friend, Bridget, and um, she found a copy of it in the uh, in a car boot in Belgium in the crack pile. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll pay, pay you to take it away. No, I think she paid like two euros <laughs> or something for it. She's like, oh, my God, look what I found. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> Hey, but uh, you know, but I made it to Belgium. Yeah, and not everyone can say they released a record, can they? You know. So then, so how did you feel about having to leave Grangehill? I think, to be honest with you, you know, it was almost like leaving school, right? And it was just organic, and I was too bloody old <laughs> right. to leave. And so, yeah, I mean, so it didn't really kind of affect me that much right. because I really it was kind of a natural progression. Yeah, you you were ready for it basically. Yeah. 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 And I was like doing loads of different things and everything and I was ready for a change. Uh-huh. So you could you did do quite a you know you did, did quite a bit didn't you when you when you left. Yeah. And I was just looking at you know things like uh, Hell's Bells, Vanity Fair, the fruit machine. But my favorite one, right? Just pu- purely because of the title, I bought a vampire motorcycle. I'm right. <laughs> no, yeah. I'll be honest. I've only seen one scene in that, and it's your death scene when you were uh, you, you played a nurse, didn't you? In that I one, I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. You know, and once again, I mean, I I was really lucky. I worked with so many brilliant people. Yeah, 
and people that have gone on to do like unbelievable things as well, really. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I had, I had quite a, f- a few good years, and then I just kind of, I mean, I don't want to preempt your next question, but <laughs> no, yeah, but, like, but like you know, o- only fools and horses as well. What I like about your about the character Michelle, she's called, isn't she? In that, and what yeah. I, what I like about that is complete polar opposites to Claire Scott as well. There was definitely a bit of Suzanne Ross rubbing off. Yeah, I never thought of that, but you're so right. Because she is, she you know, she's meant to be Rodney's secretary and she's so mouthy to him, isn't she? And she just... Yeah. He just doesn't care. He doesn't know how to handle it, does he? And I I just love that, like... You know, and you said there you got to work with so many people. So obviously having to getting to work with, like, the cast of Only Fools and Horses must have been... Oh, my God. ...amazing anyway. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, like Spender as well. That was great because I could do my Geordie accent. <laughs> right, yeah. hey, man. Um, Shout and... out to all the Geordies. Yeah. <laughs> and Cannon and Ball, you get to work with them oh, as well. Oh, God, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> no, that that's to me because, I like, as a kid, I absolutely loved Cannon and Ball. And that... I'll tell you what, that was terrifying, though, because... <laughs> um, that was filmed live in right. front of a studio audience and right. it was going out live as well. Wow. And that was terrifying. And there wasn't that many of you in it either, was there? Was there was no. like quite a short, small cast as well? No. I tell you who was in it though, Siobhan Finnan, who's yeah. gone on to do amazing yeah. things. And what a lovely girl she was. But I remember my stomach absolutely <laughs> turning. Because, I mean, listen, I've done done quite a lot of live TV when it's ad-lib, you know, interviews and that and the other. But doing, you know, scenes Uh live, oh, my God. Yeah, that was pressure. Yeah. And what were they like, Cannon and Ball? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Really, really wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about I did that. Go on, mm. what? Tell me what else did I do? Uh, I'll remind myself. The, the bill. Yes. And then uh, an episode of, of Waiting for God. Waiting for God. Right now, when I looked at that, the, the cast for, for Waiting for God, I loved the cast because everyone you look at it, oh, there's something, something, something else, and there's someone else, and obviously you know Stephanie Cole and, and Graham uh, Croden as well. Oh, brilliant. Just, but I've actually, when, I, when I'm putting out a, a, an episode of the podcast, I do a, like a, a little competition on social media, guest to guest, and I put picture Ooh. clues out of, of who it's going to be. And the first person that guesses it gets to ask a question for, for the next one. And I always I say this, I've said this a few times, I always feel like I'm on going live whenever I do this because I've got a yeah. question got a question here from Clive Ramsden. Clive wants to know, what are your memories of being on Waiting for God? <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I can, okay. I can probably guess Great this question, one. Clive. <laughs> uh, what are my memories of being on Waiting for Gods? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ah, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have many memories of that, to be honest right. with you, because it was, it was filmed. I remember we were rehearsing at North Acton where I'd rehearsed for Grange Hill. Uh-huh. Um, and was that where I was the girl in the shop? I think so. In the boutique? Yeah, um, I think that's what it was, yeah. Right, yeah. okay, so I do remember filming that. Yeah, and I just had my new hairstyle right. done, so I, I ditched the perm. Uh-huh. I mean, literally, I went into my hairdresser for another perm, and he was like, I'm never doing you another perm. I'll highlight it and cut it, but the perm's going. And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I think that was the first thing that I did Right. Post poem. Right, okay. So, Clive, the answer is, the thing I remember about God <laughs> is it was post poem. We we rehearsed at North Acton, and then I can't remember where we filmed it, but it was at Boutique, um, yeah. and I was supposed to be the shop owner. I think so, or yeah. You, you, you played a character called Sylvie in that. Oh, um, okay. That's, that, that's really all I can tell me. you on that one. Then there was a, only a couple more things. Screen one, you did something with them, and then a programme called Health and Efficiency as well. I did the labors of Eric, Erica with Erica. Yeah, that was early well. on. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, health and efficiency. Then there wasn't. Well, there's no more NCs on IMDb. Did you sort of take a, a 
any, any kind of breakaway or? Um, uh, the thing is that I was that probably coincided with when I got married. Right. Okay. Um, and then um, when I was pregnant with my son Daniel, um, my agent famously um went into liquidation, right, owing right. lots of people money, um, and she was shut down. And so um, I just didn't really. Uh, I, I mean, I just didn't have time. We had we had a restaurant and everything in Richmond. Right. I had a different life, and then I did get caught up with kids, you know, um, and 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 life really. Uh-huh. And it's funny how when you get older, it kind of comes back to. Not haunt you. That's a terrible <laughs> thing to say, but it does. Kind of, I feel like it's done a bit of a, a a circle. And I just thought the other day, when I was filming Grange Hill, right, all those years ago, when I was like fourteen, to think that I'd still be being interviewed about it yeah. when I was fifty-five <laughs> would freak me out. But it it's is. like, yeah, it's, and I don't know whether. Did everybody else forget about Grainshaw for a while? About the original characters that is obviously I don't went on for a long time, but you know, did it, we all are we all revisiting our childhood? Is that nah, what it is? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot a lot of people who have, who have spoken to have said now with social media, it's obviously a lot easier for people to talk about it. Like people, right. would have, people would have always remembered it, but obviously because because this is social media now, there's 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 places for people to talk about it. Um, right. As well, and 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 think may, maybe that's that's what it is. Oh, definitely, that's what's pushed it for sure. Yeah. But I do feel like there is a really and it, well, listen, we are we're really lucky. We're lucky to have been part of such an iconic mm-hmm. program. And you know, I am not just uh, kissing ass here, <laughs> right? But we have got the best fans, the most loyal fans. And honestly, they blow my mind, really. You know, yeah. when we when I meet them, um, you know, when I meet you all, you're so kind and lovely. And, you know, we're lucky to have you all. So, you know, thank you for sticking with us all these years. And like in geriatric, Claire, <laughs> 14-year-old Claire. Oh, well, thank you. So can I ask then, so what, what, what do you do now then? Paula. As little as possible. Right. <laughs> no. Fair play. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> so I had my own PR company for um a number of years and it took me kind of like to LA to live in LA for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. And then back. Um and so really um um uh PR for sort of like uh luxury brands, a lot of fashion, uh-huh. but a lot of music as well. Right. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately I got sick for three years and so that kind of, um, wiped me off, um, my life really for a while. But now I, um, uh, I mean, I still do PR Uh and I'm now, um, a film producer. Wow. I'm producing a film with, with one of my really good friends, um, Andros, yeah. And uh, we are doing a movie about the younger years of George Michael. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And I, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you still in touch with any of the cast from Grange Hill? I can't get rid of them. <laughs> honestly, I mean, honestly, and I've tried. <laughs> They're like boomerangs. They keep on coming back. No, honestly, they, yeah, I'm seeing Mark Baxter tomorrow. Right. Um, um, I speak to um, to Erkin at least once a week, right. um, and his lovely, lovely wife, a beautiful yeah. baby, um, and obviously, you know, Alison. I speak to Lisa York. I went to school with. Yeah, I mean, there is a real yeah. uh, Lisa Lisa East. I mean, and her lovely husband Phil. Yeah, you know, Joe Bokes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we really, we're tight. Yeah. And that, so those friendships that were formed, you know, are really, really solid. Yeah. I mean, I'm sad. I just don't know. I mean, I think 
before and you know Sue Tully's not on social media and I think you know um she went off in one direction I went off in another but I mean I would absolutely adore to see her yeah really lovely 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 lady we had so much fun when we we, we were younger I share I remember the main thing about Susan is I remember we just used to open our wardrobes up and we would just share our clothes yeah (laughs) brilliant and I remember having a go at her once that in string fellows she'd she'd uh she'd spilt a drink all down <laughs> my, my coffee colour rask but I was a bit upset with her but apart from that it was fine oh, um, but yeah so you know lots of people I would like to see more I mean I haven't seen you know Mark Burgess always says you know happy birthday and hello Claire uh-huh. and I used to say you know love you stew pot back and yeah. everything uh, but I haven't seen him because you know we are we we are all over the place yeah and it, you know, we've got like a little solid crew that we see each other all the time. Yeah. But, yeah. um, uh, you know, it's not that we don't get on with others. It's yeah. just a fact that lives, we just get, you get caught up, yeah. don't you? You have yeah. to, okay. and I don't know what it is, but as you get older, the weeks go quicker. Yeah, don't they just? <laughs> it's like, what? How did that happen? Don't they just, yeah. I, I mean. Know. We, yeah, it, it, it's horrible, isn't it? But anyway, we are coming towards the end, Paula, um, and I've just got a few more questions just to ask you. They are all about Grange Hill. So there's going to be a Grange Hill movie. It's been written. Sarah Sugarman, who played Jess Samuels, is going to be directing it. If you were asked, would we see a return of Claire Scott? Yeah, why not? Really? You know, I think it depends on... Um, I mean, listen, I think for the fans and everything, they would love to see all the old faces in it. Uh-huh. I'm sure they would. Um, weirdly, Sarah is also directing uh, the movie that I'm producing. Oh, the George Michael movie. Yeah. He, wow. she's, she's directing that. And I'm actually, after this, I'm actually going to see Sarah. All right, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, she was, um, uh, she was on last week, uh, the last episode. Was she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was the last guest, yeah. Oh. So, okay. yeah, I mean... I'm not sure how involved us we're going to be. Yeah. But I think you know if if there are some you know group and you know some some uh some scenes where they want all the old people, I think as many of us should try and do it. Yeah, as definitely. Possible because definitely you know, that not would be that we're all searching for you know to be a lovey and to be famous again because I can think of nothing bloody worse, <laughs> right? But um, you know, I think. Uh, for the fans to, to say thank you, really, yeah, I think we'd, you know, I think it, it would have to be a yes. Right, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so then, other than Claire Scott, who was your favourite character on Grange Hill? Roland. <laughs> brilliant. Erkin, honestly, yeah, I, the check better be in the post. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you couldn't have played Claire. Which other character would you like to have played? Oh God! Oh no, I I can't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I loved Claire. All right, okay, that's fair enough. I think I've just got to stick with yeah, because <laughs> she's kind enough. of part of me as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to be a bit cooler. Right, obviously. We all try and be a bit cool, don't we? Yeah. That I mean, I, yeah. I gave I gave that up years ago. <laughs> Just okay. The, that idea of being cool, <laughs> but nah. Okay, and then so then the final question, then Paula. Um, why do you think there's still such affection for Grange Hill? I think it's reminiscent of all our childhoods, uh-huh. and it was as I said to you before. You know, it was there was only three or four channels at the time, with uh-huh. millions of people watching, and I think that. It, it was it was the bloody good old days. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah. Yeah. Oh. And so I think that, you know, Grange Hill does, you know, that, that whole sort of, you know, reminiscing thing and, and you know, and the, the music of the era, etc. You know, don't you hear a record and go, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of. So I think it's the same thing. Yeah. And... We grew up with millions and millions of people. Yeah. So, 
I think it's I, I think it's great. You know, Brilliant. I really do. Brilliant. Well, Paula, thank you so much for coming on. As I say, you know, we we've been trying to do this for a while, haven't we? We have, but, and I am sorry. <laughs> so it's uh, between treatment and and then losing else. my dad and everything. Yeah, it's been yeah, a nightmare. That, and thank you also for not mentioning about me getting my tits out. Well, you know what? That, that that's got. I I didn't need to mention that, did I? You know what I mean? That. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I, I was leaving that with you. If you want to mention <laughs> that, then that, that's oh, fine. God. Oh, well, I just thought I'd drop that one in. Well, because you know, I, that's the kind of person I've become. I just think, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> no, you know what? I won't ask you then because you've mentioned it now. So I don't need to now. Uh, no, but exactly. anyway. <laughs> Anyway, but listen, thanks again so much for coming on. It's been great talking to you. A pleasure. And, 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 and great hearing yeah, your experiences. Thank I'm fi- you so, fi- so much. I'm finally talking to you properly because at the reunion, for whatever reason, we hardly spoke to each other at all, did we? Um... Uh, uh, do you know, honestly, that day is like a a, a haze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think that, it was a very, that, very busy day. At the end, and, a lot, like a lot of people were saying to me, did you speak to Paul? And I was like, no. And I don't know why I didn't. It was just one of them. It was one of those things. We, we, our paths never seemed to cross at all, did they? I know. Uh, I'm so sorry. About that. We there. No, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But no, honestly, it's been great speaking to you. It, and Joe. I really, really enjoyed it. So thanks very much. And for anyone that's listening, I'll speak to you next time. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye.